thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to a post-game edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. No Corey tonight. He's actually going to be celebrating his 25th birthday this weekend. Go out and wish him a happy birthday with you guys. He's still young enough to fit right in with this current iteration of the Cleveland Cavaliers, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, with many of the current core being 26 or younger. But with that being the case, that youth was on full display tonight as the Cavs as a whole put on a pretty decent performance. I mean, it, it was one. Nevertheless, it was a win. It was a win. I'm happy to be finally back in the win column. It was a W, so let me get that out of the way. Um I have mixed emotions about this game, nevertheless, just because I feel like it should never have gotten to double overtime in the first place. There was a myriad of stellar performances, some career highs, uh, you know, from for at least one individual. But as a whole, the Cavs still have some issues to work out. Um, you know, this is not a finished product yet. At this moment in time, there are still a lot of things that the Cavs need to figure out. But let's get to some of the good. You know, from Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell to Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, there was a lot of great performances, you know, on an individual basis. And boy, did the Cavs need it. I mean, this this game kind of had a lot of storylines heading into it. You had the, the I'm not going to say demotion because I kind of campaigned for this myself. And I'm glad that they finally kind of pulled the trigger on it. And that is the... Uh, the move of Karis LeVert to the bench because there's a lot I feel that he could add there didn't go as planned tonight. Uh, obviously for him as the Cavaliers bench would end up only scoring 13 of the Cavs 132 total points. So they, they left a lot of the scoring to the starters and thank God the starters obliged because, you know, Having to account for 119 points in your starting unit, that is an insane level of production from them, which was kind of punctuated by Darius Garland's 41 points tonight. But the crazy part about it is it wasn't him that impressed me the most tonight. It was actually none other than Evan Mobley. You know That honor kind of goes to him because he was all over the place tonight in a good way. The USC product put up his third double-double of the season with 21 points and a career-high 18 rebounds, something that a lot of people have really wanted to see out of him, uh, him attack those boards, which to me was always kind of a funny complaint because for a, a player like him at his size who is able to step out and defend the perimeter, his rebounding numbers are not going to be sky-high anyways. I mean, it's not unrealistic to imagine Evan Mobley, you know, averaging upwards of 9, 10, 11 rebounds for a season. But 
um, you know, for him who is consistently having to kind of um, uh, fluctuate between defending the perimeter and defending the rim, it's just one of those guys who is just very switchable and, I can live with him having lower rebound totals if he's providing in other areas. Tonight, however, was a case in which he was he had a pretty complete game. 21 points, career high, 18 rebounds, five assists. That was really impressive. I mean, the big-to-big passing in this game was absolutely beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful to see some of the passing between the bigs, whether that be Jared Allen to Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley to Jared Allen, uh, you know, Kevin Love to some of these guys absolutely beautiful performance out of Ed Mobley and throw in two blocks and a steal in with that. And on a pretty efficient night, nine of 14 from the field. And you have the makings of a breakout performance from Evan Mobley, a, a guy who a lot of people believed heading into this season had defensive player of the year caliber potential um, waiting for him, you know, for him to finish in that category. And he's certainly been on a tear as of late, man. It's some exciting shit to see him go out there and play basketball, ain't it? Um, <clears throat> the most impressive play of all tonight for me um, was when he snatched Terry. This, this man literally snatched Terry Rozier's shot attempt out of the air. Just, just completely snatched that shit out of the air. I, I'm like, so stoked at the fact that this man is making plays out there like that. And I know some people think that at his size, oh, well, that's not that special of a play. When you take into account that this is a 6'11", 7-foot man, and he moves that nimbly, that is not something that you see every day, folks. I just want you guys to know that and appreciate that because Evan Mobley is – He's a unicorn. He's he's a very unique player. Guys with his blend of size and speed, uh, you know, just vision. There's a lot of different adjectives you could throw in there. He has a very unique blend, and I'm very, very excited about the potential of this man moving forward. Tonight was no different. That uh, that that was just an all around complete performance on an individual level from Evan Mobley. Uh, it's just one of those things. You just have to sit back and appreciate just how awesome this young man is. Uh, as I said, there was a lot of great individual performances from tonight. Um, you got literally the backcourt pairing of Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell combined for 75 fucking points. 75 points. Jeez Louise. And, you know, we're... We're not too far removed from Darius Garland's 51-point outburst against the Minnesota Timberwolves, where, you know, in, in a losing effort, albeit Darius Garland still put up 51 points and really looked to be getting back to himself. And I, I know a lot of the question regarding Darius at this point, especially coming back from that eye injury, was, hey, you know, the Cavs got off to a pretty hot start without Darius Garland. How is Darius going to actually function next to Donovan Mitchell when we have a consistent amount of games to really analyze, really view. Well, this is yet another example of a game in which these two can coexist. And the reason for that is a couple, you know, it's, it's twofold. It's the fact that they both are capable of playing off of one another. There's a lot of spot up shooting going on. The second part of that is the minute staggering that is occurring right now with Karis LeVert. Um, there's, there's a lot of different combinations that JB can employ. And I know that's, that's another touchy subject that we'll get to here in a little bit, 
But for your backcourt to go out there and put up 75 points, even if it is double overtime and you're you're bound to see some inflated stats in, in that regard just because guys have to score, it's pretty telling that your starting backcourt can go out there and both put up 30-plus. You know, um, I, I've been pleasantly surprised with the ability of these two to kind of coalesce. And, you know, it was always due to be kind of a bumpy ride. Um, neither are, you know what you would consider uh, a a number two option. Neither had been number two options in the season prior. Darius Garland was the pretty much unquestioned number one for the Cavs last season, and Donovan Mitchell was that for the Utah Jazz for many seasons. So the, the real eye-opening thing here is, you know, how well can these guys play off of one another? And you, you threw in the – the fact that they had to figure out what to do in regards to Karis LeVert, and we'll talk about that here in a second, and it just makes it all the more impressive. I mean, there was there was a lineup change in regards to that, and that ended up being Karis LeVert moving to the bench in favor of Lamar Stevens tonight. Um, I want you to note, no Dean Wade in the lineup tonight. I, I do think that kind of played a factor in determining who was actually going to be in the starting unit. Um, Lamar ended up playing 29 minutes um, even though he didn't score, he was still fairly productive on the defensive end. Now, though, if you look at the def- if the plus minus, that's it's not going to tell you a pretty story. Minus fifteen on the night for Lamar Stevens, and when Dean becomes healthy, I do not think that Lamar is going to end up starting. But nevertheless, I'm very happy from the production from a production standpoint uh, about what we've gotten from Lamar Stevens over the last few nights. Very, very good stuff there with him. Uh, but in regards to the Levert benching, um, to me, it was a move that always kind of made sense just because, hey, you have ball handler A with Darius Garland. You have ball handler B with Donovan Mitchell or 1A to 1B. Hell, both of them are capable of, <laughs> capable of being 1A and 1A on any given night. Uh, but the, the the troubling thing about starting Karis Levert is that you're not going to get the best version of Karis Avert when you do that. You're going to force Karis Avert more often than not to play off ball. You're you're really going to relegate him to spot up shooting uh for the most part. And um, you know, although he's been very good from range this season, um, you know, on his totality, he still is not completing enough two point attempts to really for the statue really to look you know, good in his favor. So a move to the bench always made sense because he is a guy who thrives with the ball in his hands, right? Like, of course, you can still start Karis LeVert and you can still get, you know, good production out of him. I mean, look at him. He's, like I said, he's relegated to spotting up and he's making the extra pass, hence why he's averaging, I believe, career high assist numbers right now at, you know, prior to tonight's game, obviously. I think he was at 5.1 a night. That's pretty damn impressive from your third or fourth option on any given night. And he's averaging, you know, prior to tonight, upwards of 12, I think it was 12.9 points he was logging. So that's that's pretty good production out of your third or fourth option. But you're, you are never going to get the best version of Karis LeVert with him in that role just because you have Darius Garland handling the rock most of the time. You have Donovan Mitchell handling the rock most of the time. Evan Mobley is going to get his playmaking duties because you want him to be able to expand on that part of his game, right? And you saw that tonight. Evan Mobley with five assists. We already talked about it. 
he can do that. He can facilitate. And you saw, hell, you even saw Jared Allen out there making some, uh, some, some beautiful passes out there and like the big to big throws. Um, anytime you have a cutter, uh, in Evan Mobley heading towards the rim, you, Jared Allen's going to find him and Evan Mobley is no different. So when you factor all of those different guys into the lineup, the one guy who was probably going to end up suffering the most from a scoring standpoint was always going to be Karis LeVert. Because you know Jared Allen's going to get his lob attempts. You know he's going to get his putbacks. You know Evan Mobley is going to contribute in any way he can, whether that be attacking the basket, whether that be from the three-point line, whether that be uh, you know some fadeaways, as we've seen him kind of grow accustomed to, not necessarily always being aggressive. Um, that being the case, Karis LeVert was always a prime candidate to kind of suffer from a scoring standpoint. So the thought was to move him to the bench. Add some of that much-needed playmaking, much-needed scoring with Ricky Rubio still nursing his injury to the bench. And it, it seems to me like it, it's working, you know, at, at least right now. I think it's still the, the right move to have made, although you didn't get a lot of production out of the bench in its entirety tonight. Um, the thing is, at the end of the day right now, you know, the Cavs can get by without a lot of production from their bench, but it's not an ideal thing. It's not a good look. You cannot expect your starters to score 100 plus points as a collective unit together every single game. It's just not going to happen. You're going to, your role players, your, your bench unit is going to have to step up in some form or fashion. I don't care who the fuck you're playing. You're going to have to step up. 13 points from your bench unit is not going to cut it. And like I said, I've been pining for this. I've really been asking Karis LeVert to be moved to the bench just because I feel like what he brings to the table is best utilized there. But tonight was not necessarily a, a good night from a offensive production standpoint. One of those things that you're going to have to keep an eye on moving forward as my daughter, as my daughter comes out here and uh, wakes up from her sleep. Please. You Okay. One of those things that you're going to have to kind of pay attention to at seasons, you know, coming to the, the all-star break, because I think they're going to figure this out. I think it's just going to take some time, you know, with cares tonight, not necessarily good production from the field, one of eight from the field and, you know, on the night. And that's not great. I mean, he played 30 minutes tonight. I kind of figured he'd get somewhere between 24 to 28 minutes. And he exceeded that obviously with the overtime coming into effect. And the fact that the Cavs, uh, you know, I, they don't appear to adjust Jetty Osman all that much right now, because we know how streaky he can be. They were without Dean Wade. They didn't really get a lot out of Kevin Love tonight from a, from a point scoring standpoint, uh, even if he did rebound pretty well. But at the end of the day, it's just <laughs> trying to adjust. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're going to have to figure out a way to get this bench unit going. And I think they're heading in the right direction with this this move to the bench for Levert, but it's not yet, or it didn't yet yield results tonight. It's just one of those things to keep an eye on moving forward. And I do not think by any stretch of the imagination 
that he is going to go one of eight from the field every single night from now on if he does continue to come off the bench. However, <laughs> yes, baby sighting. Uh, however, I do believe that he is going to need to adjust because as we saw last season, I mean, he constantly shifted back and forth between the bench uh, whether and as a starter, as a um, second option to Darius Garland. So it's going to acquire, require another adjustment from Levert in order for him to truly look impactful. I mean, necessarily, I, I'm not making excuses for the guy. I just, I just want to kind of put things into perspective because him moving to the bench is yet another adjustment for him. Um, he spelled DG. He spelled Donovan Mitchell. They kind of staggered. And I like what what JB Bickerstaff did, at least in that sense, because he one of the first things he did, I believe, was sub in Levert for Garland to begin the game. It was uh, a good move because you're seeing a lot of these starters play upwards of 35, 36, 37 minutes. I mean, hell, Donovan Mitchell, I think, was leading the league in minutes, um, you know, prior to tonight's game. I could be wrong, but that's not a good look. That's not a good way to keep your players, your starters healthy. You, you got to be able to, to to stagger these minutes in a way that the starters do get some rest. And I think they did accomplish that tonight, at least with LeBert and Love. Um, you know, Isaac going out there, doing some good things. But you're not going to be able to consistently rely upon playing your starters such heavy minutes. And you're not going to be able to rely upon your starter scoring 100-plus points. Uh, you know, 100 plus points every night out. So you got to get some of these guys going. And, and we already know the deal. Like, like I said, Jetty Osman is a very streaky player. He's going to have his nights where he looks ultra confident, ultra aggressive from the three point line. Kevin Love is going to do what he's done for much of the last, you know, season and a half. And that is put up big numbers when called upon. He's going to have his nights too. Now, Isaac Okoro, you know, to me right now, he he did some good some good things. I think he had a relatively decent game when you factor in his defensive efforts. Uh, when when you look at his offensive output, it just it doesn't add up to a top five pick. But at the same time, for me, as I've continuously expressed on social media, I'm no longer looking at his draft status. Like I just want this dude to to provide something. I want him to be successful. And and if anything, you know, even if you're not playing him more than fifteen to twenty minutes a night. You know that he's going to go out there and he's going to defend. That's one of the things. At the end of the day, Isaac Okoro can still go out there and play confident defense, tough-nosed defense. He's always going to give you that. Now, if he gives you something on the offensive end, and you know that's that's really just gravy. That's cherry on top at this point. I just I want him to succeed. I just don't know how likely it is for him to be a consistent offensive threat. Uh, you know, that that's about all I can say in that regard. It was nice to see him out there knock down a three. That was big time for his confidence, I'm sure, as I believe he's only knocked down two on the season now. He was one of two from the field tonight, 50%, right? Small sample size. Uh, but that's that's that does not cut it for a high-minute role. So that's, you know, that's why he only plays six, uh, 16 minutes tonight. Um, you're going to eventually get Dean Wade back. I think that's going to factor in to who plays, who doesn't. You're eventually going to get Rookie Rubio back. I think that's definitely going to help the playmaking and the scoring, even if it is inefficient at times. 
uh, he's definitely going to aid that. And I think they had Caps put out some uh, some some videos of him actually. I think playing one on one with Isaiah Mobley earlier today, which is pretty encouraging. Like, I think his return is not far off. Uh, December, January, you you never really know. Um, I just. I don't know what to expect from Rubio when he comes back, but he's definitely missed right now. I mean, 13 points. I continue to harp on it. 13 points from your bench is not going to cut it. You have to get more. Um, I, again, think the, the, the move of Levert to the bench is definitely going to help at a certain point, but, <laughs> As she wants to say hi, it looks like. <laughs> say hi. Nope. Okay. Yeah, she's still kind of tired. <sighs> We're getting ready to go to bed, I promise. Um, you're gonna have to get more production out of your bench. That's the bottom line. Tonight was a game the Cavs kind of got away with. They should not have gone to double overtime. Yet another performance in which the Cavs squandered a lead in the fourth. I don't know what that's about, man. I don't know if it's a lack of uh, urgency, you know, to close games. I don't know if it's JB. I don't know if it's a combination of things because it's certainly possible that that is the case. I know a lot of people are going to put the brunt of the blame when these things happen on JB. Um, JB's not a perfect coach. I mean, at the end of the day, he has some areas in which he needs to work on. A lot of that is in the X's and O's department. A lot of that is in the rotations. But at the end of the day, he can't go out there on the court, you know, outside of complaining about calls, which he received some flack about that. Uh, they cost the Cavs some points because of technical fouls. But it is ultimately up to the players to go out there and perform. And I think they're going to figure this out eventually. It's just going to take some time. Um, you have to give guys the benefit of the doubt. Everybody's still – uh, trying to gel with one another. Everybody is still trying to figure out where they fit best. And the Cavs have just played, you know, they haven't even crossed the 20 game mark yet. You have to give these things time um, before considering any type of move, before considering any type of, um, you know, hard stance on anything. It's It's so dang hard to evaluate these things when you don't have large sample size of the starting units unit together when you don't have your full complement of bench players and you're consistently missing somebody hell we saw just how important the uh the absence of jared allen is to this team like we know that donovan mitchell and darius garland are like the, the best players on this team right that's not crazy to say I also don't think it's crazy to say that Jared Allen might be one of the team's, you know, most important players of all. His impact from a defensive standpoint as a rim protector is absolutely phenomenal. Like the Cavs do not win tonight and they don't win a lot of nights without the services of Jared Allen. He's that important to this team. He is that important. You okay? You go see mommy. Go to the bedroom. Ah, <laughs> oh, parenting, right? Um, he is that important to the Caps and the there are defensive identity. I mean, and that is another aspect that has completely shifted this season. I think a lot of 
I'm sure a lot of you are, but a lot of people are still, I, I believe, forgetting the fact that this is a team that liked to play big last season. And they completely changed the mentality on that because you go from having a three seven-footer lineup with Lowry Marketing, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen, who kind of threw something uh, to the rest of the league that they weren't yet prepared to handle. Like, how do you handle that? And you see how awesome Larry Markin is looking this season on, uh, from an individual standpoint on the offensive end and the defensive end. But for the Cavs, who who are really big on their defensive identity, last season completely shifted gears, start, uh, opting to start Karis LeVert to begin the season. That was a big-time shift. And I will applaud the fact that Karis LeVert has looked way better defensively than I think a lot of us have imagined He's still not the, you know, the the type of defender. Well, I'm not going to say he's not the type of defender that Lowry Marketing was because it's not exactly like Lowry Marketing was some all NBA level defender himself, but it just worked because Lowry had the size to really make up for a lack of lateral quickness on, on most nights. Levert, on the other hand, is, you know, the biggest thing to keep in mind is defense is it's is a lot has a lot to do with effort. If you're giving consistent effort, if you're going out there and trying more often than not, good things are going to happen. And for Levert this season, he has been a pretty good defender. Um, very still a very inconsistent numbers from inside the, the, the arc for him from an offensive standpoint, but from a defensive standpoint, I've been very happy with the production we've gotten from him. But I say all this to say that it's way too early to cast judgment or final judgment rather on JB Biggerstaff because this is an adjustment for him too. You know, this is real expectations this season. Last season, you're kind of playing with house money. You know, this season is not the case. It's not title of bust by any means, but it is definitely not to the level that it was last season. There are real expectations this season, and there are a lot of eyes on JB. Um, this could be considered a make-or-break season for him. Um, maybe not the team, but for him, there are a lot of eyes watching, whether that be in the front office, whether that be fans. Because God forbid the Cavs have a bad stretch of games, the first person everybody is going to turn on is JB. <laughs> Um, and I know this is kind of the, the Cleveland way of doing things here, apparently, that I've consist- consistently been told. But uh, we, we, I feel like we just got to stop that. Like, give the guy the benefit of the doubt for right now. Um, see where the Cavs are at by the midway point. And if we're feeling good, we have good health on our side. I really think this team has barely scratched the surface. You just you, you got to give guys time. Um, that's, I think, the biggest thing is patience. It's a very youthful team, very young team, still a lot of things to figure out, but they're not perfect. Um, we we kind of made them out to be contenders after that terrific start, you know, the, the, the seven, eight game win streak. Awesome. But the truth is the Cavs are still trying to figure things out. They're not yet true contenders. I think we can all sit back after watching this opening to the season and watching the slump occur, that that is the case. They're not yet contenders, and they're not yet title contenders, but that can change. That can definitely change as the season wears on. You just have to remain patient. I think for the Cavs, 
at the end of the day, they're going to have to shore up that three. They're going to have to figure out who is exactly going to be the permanent starter because I do not think it makes a hell of a lot of – I really just don't think it makes a lot of sense to um, go matchup-based in that regard. I don't want to see Dylan – not Dylan. Oh, my God, Dylan. I don't know if we'll ever see Dylan. Um I don't want to see Dean starting one night, then Lamar starting another night, hell, a Coral starting one night, and then, you know, I Karis back in the starting unit. I don't, that's the one thing I do not want to see. I do want them to pick, you know, given health, given provided good health. I, I just don't want there to be a matchup dependent label in regards to that. Just pick a damn starter and be done with it. It doesn't work. Obviously, you can revisit things. Like obviously, you saw the JB, and this is one of the things that I'm, um, I'm happy with about him is his connection with the players, his ability to go out there and connect with the players on both a personal, professional way, and have those tough conversations. He's proven to be a player's coach in that regard. Um, the one thing I don't want to see though is the the that three spot being consistently an opening or revolving door rather. Um, just pick a starter. And I think once the team is healthy, I think what you're going to end up seeing is Dean Wade. I think Dean Wade is going to end up being the primary starter, the first option at least, given good health to 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 be there, um, followed by a combination of Karis Levert and Lamar Stevens. Um, you know, Isaac Okoro is obviously going to factor in there too, but I think Isaac is going to get his minutes. You know, the, all of these guys are going to be able to get fine minutes somewhere. Um, although somebody is going to kind of be uh, left out in the cold here uh, once the Cavs do get Dean Wade back. I think the most palatable option right now is going to be Dean Wade as the starter and Karis LeVert with a heavy minute roll off the bench, as we saw tonight. 30 plus minutes is not going to happen every single night for Karis, but I do think he can still manage between 24 to 28, which was my initial prediction to begin the night. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just happy the Cavs got the dub tonight. I do not want to see another overtime game for a while. My heart can't take it. I know a lot of you guys probably felt the same way, let alone a double overtime game. But the good thing that I can say and uh, the, the the good luck that's on our side is the Cavs happen to be 4-0 now in overtime. So that's a good thing, right? I mean, although they don't necessarily look too great closing games out in the fourth quarter, they have a fa- they've apparently mastered the ability to uh, win games in overtime in the fifth period or sixth period in tonight's case. Um they have mastered that ability at least. So I do feel confident now heading into any overtime game that the Cavs can beat anybody. Um, but I'll go ahead and point the obvious out here because I did not start this episode off like that. And that is the fact that this Charlotte Hornets team didn't exactly have its best player out there. Um, LaMelo Ball. Now that's a big time loss for them. They did get Gordon Hayward back after he missed a stretch of games. But them missing LaMelo Ball provided a lot of us with confidence that the Cavs would go out there and, you know, kind of get their confidence back, beat up on the team a little bit, especially uh, a, a team that does not have a winning record right now. So uh, and how can you blame anybody for feeling confident heading into the game without with, with them not having the services of LaMelo Ball? Like their starters tonight, their starting lineup, Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington, uh, Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre and Mason Plumley, who 
Jared Allen loves dunking on. <laughs> um, it felt, I, I think the confidence in this Cavs team to begin the game was warranted. Like you saw Jared Allen come back. That was a huge boost. We knew that he was going to come to play. Evan Mobley definitely went out there to play, and you saw that in his uh, in, in the stat sheet for him, and then the backcourt did what they did. Awesome. I think where the Cavs went wrong again was yet another fourth quarter collapse and then the lack of production from the bench. Just just got to get more out of there. And when you look at this thing from a uh, statistical standpoint, you know, in regards to team stats, Cavs didn't particularly shoot the three ball too well as a team tonight. Eight of 27 from range. That's good for 30 percent. 81% on free throws. Uh, the, the Hornets ended up shooting 83%. Turned the ball over way too many damn times. 19. And the, um, the Hornets definitely made sure that they paid for that. Um, the assist game goes pr- pretty even. 24 to 25 in favor of the Cavs. And then the rebounds were as well. 51 to 52. The Cavs ended up getting out-rebounded. Uh, even though Jared and Evan did their part. Um, eight blocks, eight steals. And then the Cavs definitely knew how to pour gasoline on the flame <laughs> uh, with, you know, being able to draw 33, you know, total fouls. So definitely one that the Cavs can, you know, wipe their uh, their brow on and, and at least feel good about the fact that they won. But it was not a perfect game. The Cavs have some takeaways from this one, some things that they need to learn from. The the, the fact that this bench, and I keep saying this, and I'll say it one last time before we get out of here, got to get more out of your bench. I don't know what you're going to do. I think Harris is going to rebound from shooting one of eight from the field, but there has to be more consistency in regards to this bench unit somebody has to step up somebody has to be the alpha off the bench and i think harris has the ability and talent to do that um time will tell how fast that happens though but with that being the case like i always tell you guys if you'd like to reach out to me you can at it's cavalier underscore pod on twitter tiktok instagram youtube and more if you would like to be added to the exclusive it's cavalier discord chat you know what to do Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of the review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com and I'll invite you. That said, go Cavs. Have a good night.